Hi, Howard here. Just a quick word. If you're listening to this, then you're listening on our free feed, so this podcast will fade out about halfway through. Head over to 9320pod.com to sign up for access to our paid RSS feed for full episodes. And remember, if you'd like access but can't afford to pay, just send us an email and we'll set you up a free account. No questions asked. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the 9320 podcast, which is a Q&A session and kind of a bit of a recap on the subject that I think is on every City fan's mind this week, and that is the case with the Court of Arbitration for Sport with UEFA. Uh, and of course, as always, I'm joined today by Stefan to chew the fat on this one. How are you doing, Stefan? Good, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, should we crack on? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. Okay. Um so we've got basically pulled together most of the questions that we've received on Twitter and I think we're just going to go through um go through them in order and just kind of bat them back because I think there's a few interesting things to talk about and uh, you know there's a few things we've covered before but I think we can we can cover that off. Um so yeah the first thing that I think we should talk about and this kind of emanates from something that we were chatting a little bit about over the weekend. Um and that's about the makeup of the CAS arbitration committee. Um so now I think most people be aware that CAS, CAS that the judiciary for CAS is made up of three lawyers, um, one chosen by City, one by UEFA, and one who's deemed independent. But um, obviously the ident- identities of those have been withheld. But I think yeah, you should talk to me about what you've kind of seen about the number of UK-based football arbitrators because there's not many, and why that's potentially of interest. Yeah, well, so that's the panel. So the panel, yeah, the, th- the three sit on the panel in terms of who's going to make the judgment. There'll be one who will effectively chair it and will lead it, and I think will carry along the others uh, in terms of the judgment itself. So um, it was just interesting that I, I went through actually how many there were UK based uh, in uh, in the UK. Uh, football arbitrators and it turns out there's actually only nine hmm. and um so when when you go from uh nine possibles you then look at who those people are uh two of them are the general counsel and the general counsel for those that don't know is the most senior lawyer within an organization the general counsel of united and arsenal and therefore they are clearly both not suitable contenders to be on the panel uh, and another one is Gareth Farrelly, who used to play for Everton uh, and worked at Everton as well. And I suspect he's also not suitable. So it's basically only, from what I could see, if you wanted to pick a UK-based, and we don't necessarily need a UK-based one, but there would actually probably be only a handful of possibles. And only one of them is a senior judge, uh, a guy, Michael Belloff, mm. um, uh, a senior QC, I think, rather than a judge. Um, in the UK. He might might be a judge, actually. Uh, so it would not be a surprise if he was the pick uh, in the UK. Uh, we shall see. Uh, I think beyond that, um, it will end up being, um, I think, a mixture of nationalities. Uh, UEFA probably will pick a Swiss or a French uh, representative. Uh, I don't know where the third one will come from. Uh, but that that's kind of how it would be constituted uh, at the top. Uh, uh, Michael Belloff was the... Uh, I think he's a QC, isn't he? 
he's a QC Blackstone Chambers Blackstone Chambers which I think is also uh, Panic's Chambers from memory uh, although we'll talk about that situation in a moment um, uh, so they'll know each other but it's not unusual that people would be on either on opposite sides or where there would be uh, an arbitrator who happens to be in the same chambers as a representative of um, one of the parties um, and uh, in terms of uh, what we know about uh, if it was Beloff, Beloff was the uh, panel lead uh, and in the end sole arbitrator in the AC Milan case recently uh, that was settled uh, in the end with UEFA. Yeah, which is significant. Um, okay, first question from our listeners, which is from Scott Fraser. Um, Scott's asked, do we know who requested the hearing to be a private hearing? Was it UEFA or City? Uh, I suspect it's the other way around. So I think do, you should assume default it will be private unless both parties agree it should be public. And I think it's extremely unlikely that either club would have wanted this in public. Yeah, very rare. Um, we will get the decision though, but it will probably take a couple of months. Or Yeah, the pro- I think the, the really big problem that's going to irritate, uh, although I suppose once we know the result, it's not that important, but... I think we'll end up getting the result and not getting the judgment straight away. So we'll get, you know, effectively a short press release from UEFA. Uh, sorry, from CAS. Um, but not the actual Not, not the reasoning. Yeah. yeah, the reasoning will come later, which will be irritating. Yeah, it will be. Um, I mean, I- that's a, a key thing. You know, we are going to be, we're in an incredibly, you know, we're in the dark and I think we are going to be for quite a long time, and that that's you know irrespective of which way it goes. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, second question is from Neil K. Um, I, I think this feeds into the Lord Panic reference we asked before. But Neil asks, "What do we know about the legal team slash firms that are involved on both sides?" I know you've spoken about this on previous pods, Stefan. Um, what's their experience, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera? Well, t- taking City, I mean, City have got already, you know, a, a very experienced internal legal team, never mind external legal team. Uh, that's been supplemented by Freshfields. Freshfields are, uh, you know, one of the top three probably firms in the city um, and internationally, um, you know, incredibly uh, bright and, and able. Um, big team from Freshfields uh, on the Barrister side, there was a lot of rumours that uh, Lord Panic uh, was appointed. Uh, I actually heard over the weekend that that, that rumour might not have been true and that he hadn't taken the brief. And actually, um, it was confirmed as not being true uh, by David Ornstein on the Athletic Pod today. Um, so... I don't know who is our lead barrister on it. It was a guy called Paul Harris, I think, at the initial Cat yeah, One hearing, Harris, yeah. uh, who I'm not familiar with. Uh, apologies if he's listening, which he won't be. Um, uh, he's obviously not. He, he's not got the reputation of, uh, of of Panic, who is you know known universally as being again one of the uh, top three to five. Uh, barristers uh, in in the UK uh, and you know given the way the UK legal system works um, potentially in the world so um, 
you know, he 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 obviously would have been a uh, you know a star pick. Um, I'm sure that they've got somebody you know highly competent to to deal with the matter. Uh, I don't think that we will be in a situation where we lose it because of the quality of our legal team. Yeah, definitely not. I'd second that. Um, okay, something that I kind of wanted to kind of discuss and grapple with because I think it's well worth a discussion, um, and that's settlement. Um, again, something that we were kind of exchanging messages about over the weekend. But I think, first of all, obviously it hasn't settled. Um, so I think you should probably tell me why you think it hasn't and what you think, you know, guessing, but from your perspective, you think that tells us about the case? Well, I, I mean, I think the starting point is the stakes were and are extremely high um, for... Less so for UEFA. I mean, I think there's a lot spoken about how this is the future of FFP, the future of UEFA, blah, blah, blah. To me, it's nothing to do with it. I mean, uh, this is very, very important for City. I think it's much less important for UEFA. UEFA will always be able to say that they have regulated uh, FFP uh, largely well in in their time that will be their view obviously we don't share that view but but that is their view that um, you know the debt has come down uh, as, as a whole um, and that that it's done its job uh, they will also point to numerous settlements with teams over the years uh, with bans and with everything else so uh, whether they win this case or not I don't believe that FFP is is generally affected. Uh, aside from uh, comments that could be made in the judgment uh, by Cass about UEFA's conduct. But to be perfectly honest with you, I don't hold out any great hopes in respect of that. And I would think that the the comments will be fairly anodyne and fairly dull. Um, you know, it's a legal judgment and I think they'll concentrate on, uh, on the, the detail of the findings. So... Uh, but the starting point for me was that really the, the, the stakes were very high for City um, in going through this. And I, I don't just mean for in terms of the two-year ban. I think it, they, there's consequential issues of losing at CAS that can include obviously the Premier League situation, but also just for people and individuals. Uh, there are people whose decisions have been uh, made over the years in respect of FFP, uh, both on the finance side, the legal side, and also in terms of the executives. Uh, you've got people who are specifically incriminated within those emails. Um, you know, at very best, um, they've been stupid um, in terms of the things that they've put in writing. Um, and that will all come home to roost if, if Cass find against the club. I mean, arguably, in, in them being published, it's already um, been you know, significantly embarrassing for certain individuals. But if we were to lose at Cass as well, uh, what that says is that the club has consistently got FFP wrong, uh, that it has uh, not only breached, but has done it in a reckless way. Um, it, it didn't make its life any easier by actually going into writing on emails about it, um, uh, copied uh, amongst senior executives. Um and moreover, didn't manage to get its settlement right when it settled it in 2014. So it, it will be shown to have been 
um, a bit of a disaster, I think, from a management perspective, if they were to lose. And then laid on top of that, you've got all the consequences on the playing side, on the footballing side, the Premier League, uh, you know, potential points deduction or whatever else. So the stakes are incredibly high for City. And I think if you're sitting there as City um, and you have anything but the strongest advice that you will win, uh, you think very hard about trying to do a deal on uh, on on the Sunday night before or the Saturday night before, by which time you've seen all of the documents that UEFA are relying upon. Uh, you've seen exactly the way they express their case. And I think it makes you, you know, certainly if you're in a weak position or you're in an uncertain position, uh, I think there are certain people around the table on the city side who would think we need to find a way to settle this. Were you surprised that they didn't um, kind of over the weekend? Well, I think given everything I've just said and given the, the stakes, I think you have to conclude one of two things. Either UEFA are not interested in settling, and I find that extremely hard to believe. So if you were to say to UEFA, would you take a one-year ban, not a two-year ban, City accept it, and this goes away forever, do UEFA accept that? I think I think probably yes. I'd have thought so. And that leaves you with only one other potential in my mind, because I think City would accept it, unless they felt their case was super strong. And and if City felt that their case had a significant risk of defeat at Cass, and, and therefore a significant possibility of the consequences that I've just outlined for individuals, for jobs, for careers for consequences for the business uh, you know they they raised 500 million dollars in november from from a third party presumably on the basis that this wasn't going to happen these are all massive massively embarrassing situations if it goes wrong and i think given those stakes city would have accepted a one year ban especially in a covid one year ban and therefore, I can only assume that the reason that they have decided not to try and close that deal is because they they are very very confident of winning. Mm. Um, and just to be just to be kind of clear for people that maybe aren't super familiar with with legal process, um, you know, are we right to say that even if City say hypothetically were super? Um, super confident internally and very kind of headstrong that they you know wanted to take it to to cast to to see the ultimate result of um what the committee find that um city's lawyers even if they were you know to put a vague number on it 90-ish percent um certain that they would probably win they're still kind of you know as you need to act in your best interest for your client as a lawyer they would still be pushing and making city aware of the, you know, given how high the commercial risks are and, and kind of bringing the possibility of settlement to the table to put it in front of them. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of smart people around the table. So I don't I don't see that there's a possibility that they've decided not to settle because uh, of a kind of lack of analysis of the situation. So I think it's fair to say that the lawyers will have been very clear about the risks of proceeding, uh, about very clear about the risks... Um, of of the of the actual hearing, um, 
I don't think that they would have given a merits um, assessment of 90% or mm, yeah, even over 80. I think, you know, the reality is that all of these sorts of processes have a substantial element of risk, uh, probably at least 25%, possibly a bit more. And therefore, you always work on the basis that if you're advising somebody, you may not win. So that's the starting point. Um, I think on top of that, the directors themselves have obligations as um, to the company, to the company uh, as, uh, as fiduciaries, and uh, and then and then beyond that, uh, they will have been being prodded by uh, by the shareholders, um, and not just Abu Dhabi, but also by their new American friends. Um, you know, Silver Lake are not going to they only have a, a relatively small stake, ten um, percent, but they're not going to sit there and watch. Uh, some uh, the, the consequences, the potential consequences of a two-year ban plus everything else that could fall out of it, without good reason, and um, you know, it's. I think they would be extremely commercial um, and unemotional in assessing whether they should settle. So they will have had, I'm sure, um, unless there's something that I don't know about cast processes and. How you you know the, the 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 rules around settlement? I mean, my understanding is that AC Milan settled with UEFA. It was uh, it was all authorised by CAS in the end, in terms of um, uh, put put before CAS and kind of rubber stamped by CAS. Um, I'm 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 pretty sure that there's no reason why the parties could not have settled from a process perspective. That would be very odd. Um, and that, therefore, to me, leaves two only two things. It can only be either UEFA refuse to settle or City feel very confident in their position. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so next question is from Stephen Price. Um, this is a bit of a two-part question. I think it's something that we've both uh, got something to say about. Uh Stephen says, thoughts on the standard of the coverage um, on this kind of CAS FFP case. Sunday supplement yesterday I thought was very poor. Mainly spoke about the player's future rather than City's case, factoring in settlement agreement, settlement regime, etc. Are fans putting too much hope into those or do the journalists just not know slash care? Uh, the floor is yours. Well, I don't think they, I don't think they know. I, don't, uh, I think it's amazing that they... should they, care, I mean, right? Yeah, I think they care. Yeah, because it's a it's a big story. I mean, but maybe they they should care. Maybe they should care a bit more. I think that's kind of well. Right. I think they should care a bit more. I mean, you know, the the only excuse I think they've got, and it's one that I've consistently gone on about, which is the complexity of what, what of the of the subject matter. I mean, you know, it's it's an extraordinarily complex subject when you put together. Uh, what what we think is the case. I mean, we don't even know what the case is because, I mean, well, frankly... there's not much information in there. No, well, it's not even been articulated. Domains. I mean, you know, I think it's ridiculous that the, that the charges themselves were never communicated, that beyond the one-liners that are in the announcement, we have no details of what the findings were of the IC. Uh, the IC now and UEFA generally have clammed up because of City's complaints about leaking... So we now get nothing unofficial or official. Um, you've got people who are re- recycling 
comments that have been made to them months ago as new news when they mm-hmm. clearly are not new news. Um, so, for the for example, in the FT, there was a quote where somebody said, um, and it's a you know he's a very credible journalist, uh, where where his quote was somebody familiar with UEFA investigations said. Um, City, you've got no evidence at all, and unless UEFA cave in, they'll definitely win, or worse that effect. Mm, saw that. So it's a quote that's from February. So, I mean, post AC. Uh, well, he's got, he's got, you know, whoever's given the quote has no idea what cities, what, what's what evidence City put to Cass. If the quote was come from from February. Because the submissions would have been the submissions yeah. have only recently been made, so it's just total nonsense. Um, you've got the panic situation where for for four months people have been talking about panic being City's QC, and then we discover today that that's just wrong. It's been repeated over and over in the last twenty four hours by anyone that would uh, anybody that's been on on any radio station or, or in writing, and yet clearly nobody's picked up the phone to the chambers and checked, uh, except David Ornstein. Um, uh, you know, I mean, the, I think that's just indicative of, of the level of analysis. And then you've got, you've got Tony Evans and um, Delaney saying that the charge, the documents that are, that City are being charged uh, regarding are not the football leaks, but that's contrasted with almost everybody else that says it is the football leaks documents. It's also contrasted with CAS One, which specifically refers to the football leaks documents. Mm. Um, so, I I just think if people don't know, on in a complex, you know, on a complex topic then I don't think it's too embarrassing to say, you know, I just don't know, or, you know, I'm guessing, or I've been told, you know, I, I don't, you know, just sort of give an indication as to the level of certainty that they that they have on the information that they've got. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's, that's happened. I think the reality is that none of the journalists uh, have been able to get anything out of the parties since at least uh, the end of last year. Mm. I think for me, the the thing that I found a bit uh, frustrating and I've just kind of judged it as a bit lazy really is seeing, uh, well, Miguel um, on Sunday Supplement basically saying that uh, in the past, Cass haven't used their absolute strongest legal team, but this time they are. And um, whereas in previous FFP related actions referencing AC Milan, it was just a rap on the knuckles. This time, they're actually taking it more seriously and seeking to make an example of City. Now, I think that's, again, that's just very, that's just, which is not true. And uh, I think for starters, you check that, uh, and we confirm that the lawyer that um, UEFA use in the AC Milan case is the is the same lawyer that they're using in City's case. Um, and so I think, from my perspective, it's just a bit, it seems to me just a bit frustrating that, this is a very important case and whilst I appreciate that the journalists are not lawyers or might not be particularly interested in legal process and arguments that um, there is there is some information there. You can go and read, you know, what what's happened previously and 
I feel what's kind of been happening is instead of been reporting facts and doing a bit of uh, digging into kind of the issues that actually under underpin the case, that journalists have just been kind of relying on old, rehashed, off-the-record quotes from sources in quotation marks. I just think that's a bit lazy. It's just it's just such a lazy narrative as well. Like the idea that UEFA have in the past have just kind of you know ambled along to Cass not really bothered whether they win or lose. I mean, it's just nonsense. Yeah, it's just rubbish. You know, it's just, it's actually insulting to any of the people that are involved. Uh, not that, you know, I couldn't care less about, you know, Joe Bloggs at UEFA, but it's just, it's just nonsense. You know, there's professional people, qualified, highly qualified professional people that have been involved in the cases before and are obviously involved in this one. And a lot of the a lot of the people are the same people that have been involved on the UEFA side that have been involved before, and they've been trying to win every case, whether they've lost or not lost, or had the had the case upheld or settled it, whatever. Every one of them they've tried to they've tried to win, because that's just what people do. Mm. Yeah, it just it just stinks of a uh, of just a bit of uh, not doing your proper journalistic DD in my. In my it's eyes, just trying anyway. to create a narrative as opposed to actually looking at the the detail and, and you know why is there barely a single article that mentions the fact that uh, City entered into a settlement about these matters already and in Cas One outlined that that was a key strand of their argument as to why this shouldn't continue. Yeah, you know. It's all very well saying, oh, FFP is dead because City have breached FFP. This has been done. I mean, we're talking about 2012 matters. Those emails, they're 2012, 2013, all before, you know, all before the settlement in 2014. This has already been reviewed. If you look at David Conn's article of the 22nd of January, which was apparently the very day of the investigatory chamber's hearing, He's had a chapter and verse from UEFA about the the original settlement. I mean, I don't know where he got it from. Maybe he was there. Maybe he was given the transcript of, of that hearing. But it says very clearly that in 2012, sorry, in 2014, UEFA did not believe City's assessment. But if you then join it with what then happened, there was a campaign by Infantino for City to settle it. The matter's closed, as far as I'm concerned, unless there's good reason for why it's not. But to not even mention the fact that we've already been through this situation in respect of these very same allegations, to me, that's only part of the story. I mean, I don't know how you can talk about this without talking about the 2014 stuff. Mm. Well, I've got, I've kind of got two questions, actually, that emanate from that to you. The first is... Just to stay on the media for one one moment, um, it kind of seems that the narrative has kind of a little bit been been set that you know City potentially. I think the media kind of saying that assuming that we are going to lose, which is interesting given there's been very kind of little critical analysis. Um, to coin a phrase from Pep last year before the Liverpool game, well, what if we win? What if we win? And then how do you think the media will square that? If uh, if it does end up, you know, the case being completely thrown out. Uh, well, uh, well, let's look at how it will be thrown out. So I think there'll be a one-liner that says, if it gets... So, so let's say the best case scenario, you get a one-liner from Cass that says that they uphold 
Manchester City's claim, and effectively they're no longer banned, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are the media going to write about that? They're not going to have any information. So, okay, once, maybe, maybe people stop briefing. The reasoning. Well, it's going to be old news by then. You know, if you're, if you're, um, if you've got the angle that has always been, this is an outrage. By the time the judgment comes out, I don't think you're going to get any particularly interesting analysis of it. Uh, aside from if it says that City got off on a, on a technicality, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what would happen. I mean, I think. Um, I think that I think the general questioning on it will have to go very quiet, and people will turn their attention to that narrative that I've just described about how FFP is dead because uh, they couldn't even close couldn't even close a, a sanction in respect of these egregious emails and this obvious breach, uh, and they'll completely ignore the fact that uh, pro- possibly probably. One of the reasons that City may have succeeded uh, is because either they weren't the full picture or because they've already been dealt with in 2014. Um, you know, I. Do you think there's any chance that um, the judgment comes with the, the reasoning comes with the, the actual. Uh... Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, they may say, that, you know, as much as they don't know when the judgment is going to come, I think there is a. It's in both parties' interest for, for it to be wrapped up in in a clear document but mm. um you know even then it's not going to be that easy a document to digest we you know if you if anybody that's actually read cas one yeah, um of which we are two of the nerds yeah yeah i mean it is a it's a nerdy document you know i mean i i enjoyed reading it because it gives you an insight into the deliberation and to the position uh, that city sets out, but it's not. It's, it doesn't make it. It doesn't make it's a good article. Read, it? No, and it's not going to make a good article in the Daily Mail or in the Independent. Or you know, it. it David Conn might have a go at it to spin it in 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 a way in which um, it fits with you know the previous narrative. But it's it's not an article. It's it's not a document that that's likely to uh, easily form headlines. I don't think. But we don't know, and we don't know what it's going to say. I mean, you know, it, there is a big range of of what could be in that document. And um, one one thing that kind of follows on from what we were saying before about the the settlement agreement, and you know, obviously, a lot of the stuff that's being argued about is is from pre twenty fourteen. At um, Kepi asks on Twitter is. UA for going back on breaches City have already been punished for i.e. the settlement agreement enough to overturn this or does new evidence void that previous settlement I know there's no double jeopardy in criminal courts but I'm assuming this may be different well so it's not a straightforward question um, first of all um, so we haven't seen the settlement agreement so for some reason the City and the PSG settlement agreements are not on UEFA's website, even in redacted form, even though almost every other settlement agreement is. Now, that said, you can piece together some of the likely clauses that were in there. Now, it seems to me...